A reading from the book of Psalms. Happy are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Happy are those who keep his decrees, who seek him with their whole heart, who also do no wrong, but walk in his ways. You have commanded your precepts to be kept diligently. Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. Then I shall not be put to shame, having my eyes fixed on all your commandments. I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn your righteous ordinances. I will observe your statutes. Do not utterly forsake me. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. For the word of God in scripture, for the word of God among us, for the word of God within us. Thanks be to God. Good morning. As we turn to God's word, let's join our hearts and minds together in prayer. Gracious God, come among us with your wisdom and power for living and with your grace and forgiveness to heal and renew us. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts, may they be acceptable in your sight. For you, O Lord, are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. This morning's scripture lesson concluded with a verse some of you may have heard before. I learned it first in a youth group song. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Another translation says it this way, by your words, I can see where I'm going. By your words, I can see where I'm going. In life, we want to know where we're going, and we want to know that if we get lost, we'll be able to find our way back. This is the promise of the Bible, that in God's word, we find guidance for life to lead us and to help us find our way when we are lost. The Bible has played this role in countless lives for thousands of years and has played this role in my own life But often the wisdom of God's word is hard to see. Sometimes this is because we are not paying attention. Other times, it is because we find things in the Bible that we do not like, cannot agree with, or just find plain awful. Thanks to your questions, this fall I've planned to address some topics in the Bible that make many of us uncomfortable. Later this month, we will do that specifically focusing on gender and sexuality one week and on passages that are especially violent on another week, especially in terms of or in reference to slavery and hell. In order for us to do this work well, we have to begin by talking about our relationship with the whole Bible. What do you really think of this book 
anyway. What do you think of it? What place does it have in your life? These are questions that are about what the theologians call biblical authority. That sounds fun, doesn't it? Biblical authority. I will admit that that does not sound like the most exciting subject for a sermon, but in order for us to get to the meat of the matter and talk later this month about sex, violence, slavery, and hell, first, we have to eat our vegetables. So today, biblical authority. This morning, I'm going to address three ideas in reference to biblical authority. It might not not be so painful as you may think. First, I'm going to take a little time to define the term itself. I'm going to talk about what biblical authority is. Second, I'm going to talk about what it means to faithfully disagree with the Bible. And finally, I'm going to talk about how we strengthen the kind of biblical authority you might want in your life, the kind that makes life God's word a lamp to your feet and a light to your path that helps you to see where you're going in life. I hope when we get to talking about more specific disagreements you might have with the Bible, that you will find those sermons consistent with this one. And perhaps, just maybe, you will also find that you want to think more about the role of the Bible in your life. So let's start with what biblical authority is. When it comes to the Bible, authority is not the same as simply following rules. Biblical authority is about a relationship we have with the Word of God. Biblical authority is about a relationship we have with the Word of God. Some relationships with authority are simple. I understand the rules of golf, and I am willing to abide by them. I accept their authority. If I hit the ball in the water, when I hit the ball in the water, I accept my stroke penalty. It's a rule. I don't argue about it. The Bible is much different than that. There are rules in the Bible. There are a lot of them. But I have to think about them as I apply them to my life. When the Old Testament says not to wear clothes woven from mixed fibers, I may want to know why. If I have to work on Sundays because that's the only way I can feed my family, I may want to know what the Bible means when it says remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. To some folks, this might sound like I don't take the rules of the Bible very seriously, that I pick and choose which rules I want to abide by and when. I think of it differently. When I seek the wisdom of the Bible, I am required to engage with the text and to participate in a decision about how it will shape my life. And quite often, the authority of the Bible comes through something that doesn't sound like a rule at all. Instead, it might sound, come from a story in the Bible about a person who acted generously or offered forgiveness or showed kindness. Biblical authority comes in all kinds of forms. 
So you see rather quickly that biblical authority is different from other kinds of authority. It's different from the rules of golf. If I'm going to apply the Bible to my life, if I'm going to say that it is authoritative, it requires a lot more of me. So biblical authority is a relationship. It is one in which I hope to have a real personal investment. But what happens when I find something in the Bible with which I disagree? What happens if I find something I find morally repugnant? Like a lot of things in life with which I disagree, when it comes to the Bible, I have to do more than just complain. I can't stop there. I must seek to understand as much as I can about this part of the Bible I do not like. Why is it there? Who wrote this part of the Bible? What was their agenda? What was their life experience? What is the cultural context of the audience to whom they are writing? What kind of literature is it? Am I reading a saying, a teaching of Jesus? Am I reading a story that he made up in order to make a point? Am I reading a poem that describes one's feeling, feelings about God written in the book of Psalms? These things make a difference. And I will tell you, as an ordained minister who tries to be true to my vows, I think it is okay to disagree with the Bible. I think it is okay to disagree with the Bible when I have done the work to understand it. I believe that it is better to disagree with the Bible out of a place of deep engagement than to thoughtlessly go along with whatever it says. My second point on disagreeing is perhaps the more difficult one. Sometimes I do my homework and I come up with a faithful reason to disagree with the Bible. But other times, I avoid doing my homework because I know what the Bible says and I know that it's right, but I don't wish to be challenged by it. Here I have to work to be consistent. I have to be honest about things in the Bible I may not like, but that I still need to think about. An example, I disagree with what the Bible seems to say about homosexuality. We will talk about that in a couple of weeks. Christians have devoted an incredible amount of energy and caused an extraordinary amount of damage arguing about the handful of places where the Bible might say something about what we call homosexuality. By contrast, the Bible is filled to overflowing with clear and expansive biblical witness about the subject of economic justice and the demands God places upon us to do something about it. Many of us give much less attention to this expansive biblical witness because it would force us to do things we don't want to do. We have to allow ourselves to be challenged by the Bible's words we would prefer to ignore. 
but how to know the difference. How to know the difference? How do I know if I'm disagreeing faithfully or if the Bible is right and I just don't want to take its guidance? How do I know? This can get complicated, but I will suggest two things our tradition says, says about it, two things that are rather straightforward. One is that I should ask if the part of the Bible I'm reading aligns with the Bible's overall message. Does what I am reading encourage love, justice, and peace in the world God created? Many have suggested, for another example, that what the Bible has to say about homosexuality does not advance love, justice, and peace in the world, and so they faithfully disagree. On the other hand, much of what the Bible has to say about money does advance love, justice, and peace in the world were we to listen to it. We ourselves need to be consistent in our reading, and we can expect the same from the Bible. The second suggestion I'll make about knowing the difference is that this is why we read the Bible prayerfully. And this is why we read the Bible together in a community. We trust, one, we trust one another as siblings in faith to argue about which of our disagreements are faithful and which ones we should allow to challenge us. I hope you will see me employing these methods as we return to some disagreeable scripture passages later this month. Of course, all of what I am suggesting takes so much work. Who would do it? Why in the world would I want to have biblical authority in my life if it's going to be this hard? Well, I won't be giving the most poetic or inspirational explanation for that today, but I do think it ties back to where this sermon started, the desire for guidance and wisdom in one's life. The desire to see where I'm going, especially when life is really hard. It's been my experience that God's Word will provide. When I'm willing to do the work, my experience has been that the Bible is an endless source of exactly the kind of wisdom I need. Biblical scholar and best-selling author N.T. Wright describes the Bible this way. It's a big book, he says, full of big stories with big characters. They have big ideas and make big mistakes. The Bible is about God and greed and grace, about life, lust, laughter, and loneliness. It is about birth, beginnings, and betrayal, about siblings, squabbles, and sex, about power, prayer, prison, and passion. And that's only Genesis. In all these big things of life, we are less alone when we realize there is this amazing story this amazing ancient text we can claim as our own in this time. And we can come to know it better if we are willing to let it have some authority in our lives. The question that remains, I suppose, is 
how does one get started? How do I get access to the good kinds of biblical authority I want in my life? Well, the most honest answer I can offer to you at the end of this somewhat academic sermon is that you have to pray about it. You have to pray about it. I have found most often that the ways we grow closer in our relationship with God's wisdom is not by thinking harder, but in prayer and through time. The good news is that prayer does not need to be hard, and it is available to all of us. We all need spiritual practices in our lives, and you don't have to be a monk or a nun to engage in them. When I get up each morning, I try to begin my day with a simple prayer practice. I have an app for it. I take a few minutes to be guided through a brief prayer. I consider a question about how my spirit is doing at the start of the day, and I read a short passage of scripture. It takes about 10 minutes, which is great because by then one of my children is usually asking me for something. And I try to do it before I do anything else, before I look at a single email or check out the news or engage with anything else. And I find that when I take that little bit of time, it sets the stage for a much better day. I'd be happy to share with you the resource that I use, and I know other pastors on our staff have the same kinds of resources and would also be happy to share. This is not the only way a growing number of you participate in the prayer and spiritual development small groups that we offer here at Knox. They are always open to new people and we offer new opportunities all the time. Many of them offer ways for us to come to the wisdom of the Bible and a posture of prayer and invite God's authority into our lives. These are easy ways to continue or to get started enriching your relationship with God. These are ways to invite God to be a lamp to your feet and a light to your path and to help you find your way. To God be the glory.